Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. On to another one for the 49ers. They return to the New Orleans Superdome on Sunday, uh, almost a year after just an epic win in that 2019 season at that very same spot. But this time, things are going to be a whole lot different. I'm sure that everybody remembers what happened in 2019, a 48-46 shootout win for the 49ers. George Kittle recreating WWE on the sideline, rumbling with hands on his face mask all the way down at the field goal range. And the 49ers got that statement win that eventually helped them get to that number one seed in the NFC. Well, this time, George Kittle won't be available. Jimmy Garoppolo, who was awesome in that game, won't be available. Raheem Mostert, who was great in that game, also won't be available. And Emmanuel Sanders, who was a huge part of that win, uh, will be available, but for the other team. He's on the Saints right now. And that was how Matt led off his article on Wednesday. The 49ers' four offensive stars will not be in uniform or in their uniform. And that means that the 49ers have a very tall task ahead of them against what might be the best team in the NFL. All the rankings now have the Saints at number one after they just destroyed the Bucks 38-3 last week. So, Matt, um, what a difference between 2019 and 2020. But somehow, someway, the 49ers are going to try to scratch out a win because they're 4-5 and five right now and they're just trying to stay alive. Yeah, and um, there was a, a number five star for that game, Debo Samuel. Uh, he didn't practice on Wednesday. He's iffy for this upcoming game with a hamstring. So hamstring, you know, you got a bye coming up. I, I don't know if the 49ers push it with him either. So they're going to be down. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to look like a totally different uh, offense than the one that uh, was going toe-to-toe with, with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara last year. So uh, guys have to step up. So who do they have left? Uh, They've got Brandon Ayuk. He's not only perfectly healthy, he he didn't even play in this last game, so he should have a a bit of a a spring in his step. Um, Richie James coming off a career day against the Packers. He'll be available. Uh, Jerick McKinnon, I thought, was running a lot better against Green Bay than he had been in previous weeks. And then Jordan Reed would be the last guy. So those are the guys who have to try to replicate uh, what we saw last year in that, uh, you know, I I call it the Hearns Hagler of of football games, just one flurry of punches from each side after another. Uh, It's a tall task, but, um, you know, to continue with the theme, I think they've got, Dennis, a puncher's chance, at least, in this game. So, let's go back a year ago. I, I was lucky enough to be in the booth with Greg Papa as he called this Oh, that's game. right, yeah. And I've been a part of a lot of really good football games on and off the football field. This was the most exciting game I have ever been, a, been about a year ago. 
Now, it's COVID. I think there's going to be about 6,000 fans. It won't be as loud. But I remember last year just being loud. And like you said, it was toe-to-toe. Every time the 49ers or the Saints got the ball, it just seemed like it was running down the field. Big plays, explosive plays. Fast forward to this year, and uh, you don't have that defense that Drew Brees kind of faced. You don't have that pass rush that Drew Brees kind of faced. You don't have that secondary. But on offense, you've got some, you know, you've got some weapons still on offense. You were just talking, Matthew, about some of the guys who have to stand out. I think Trent Williams has to have a great game. I think Jordan Reed has to be a part of this offense and kind of show up this week. And I think Nick Mullins, quarterback, he has to have a great game if this team wants to even battle. I mean, you got to put points on the board. Uh, And defense all the way around has to show up. But this offense really has to be clicking, especially as you get, you know, one of your star receivers back in Brandon Ayuk. So, but I just remember last season, it was just crazy last season. And down to that field goal, it was just amazing game to be a part of. Both offenses controlled that game last season. You know, you you talk about the 49ers defense so strong throughout most of 2019. Well, that was the the defense's low point, at least in the regular season. They gave up 46 points. That game just had so much poetic symmetry. Both Jimmy Garoppolo and Drew Brees threw for exactly 349 yards. Both leading rushers in the game, Raheem Mostert and Latavius Murray for the Saints, rushed for exactly 69 yards. The teams just traded haymakers back and forth. I mean, the the Saints jumped on the 49ers early in that game. It was a two-possession game early on, but that's when Garoppolo and the offense really went to work. Kyle Shanahan had to pull out a trick play, threw from Emmanuel Sanders to Raheem Mostert for a touchdown, and then the second half, boom, 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 back and forth. I mean, the 49ers, they left that game with a cost, right? Weston Richburg tore his patellar tendon in that game, and, and that was a devastating injury. And the effects of that injury are still felt to this day. The 49ers are now in their sixth option at center here in this 2020 season. Richburg is nowhere near coming back. And actually, the very next play from scrimmage after Western Richburg's injury, the 49ers punt it because they got stuffed on that third and one. DJ Jones forced a fumble against Alvin Kamara. And that fumble helped the 49ers regain control of that game at a particularly tenuous spot. Well, it so just so happened that DJ Jones also suffered a season-ending injury later in that half. So the 49ers lost two guys in the middle of both trenches in within an hour in that game. And those two losses would come back to haunt them the rest of the way, especially in the Super Bowl. I think there's an argument to be made that with either Western Richburg or DJ Jones available in the Super Bowl, the 49ers beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, it was just an all-out war, a war of attrition in New Orleans last year. The 49ers prevailed, but th- there was a cost to it. And those costs matter still being felt to this day. When the 49ers return, the domino effect of injuries has gotten a lot worse. And this time they're on life support for this 2020 season. We'll see if they can hold up. But I do think they have one thing going for them that they didn't have against Green Bay last week. And that's Trent Williams. He should be back in the lineup at left tackle. It was a problem against the Packers when Justin School was in at left tackle. So at least this time, even though those skill positions are still depleted the 49ers should have their both of their starting tackles in this game and and that can go a long way toward the ball control formula that's going to be necessary to win it yeah and they should be fresher in this game obviously just at least the guys who are playing remember they were they were coming off um, a a loss to Baltimore so it was one of those two-week road trips and they spent the week in in Bradenton Florida 
uh, before going to New Orleans. So they're, they're coming off their, uh, their so-called mini-buy this week. And like I noted, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk didn't play in the previous game. Neither, neither did Trent Williams. So uh, these guys should at least have some, fr- some fresh legs. And David, you mentioned the, the trick play, the Emmanuel Sanders to Raheem Mostert touchdown, which came in the, in the second quarter. If, uh, if Shanahan's got some tricks up his sleeve, this is the game to use it in. I mean, if, if you have any shot at the playoffs, I feel like, um, you know, they're uh, they're going to be missing so many guys for this game. No Raheem Mostert, no Tevin Coleman. All these guys are um, scheduled, or at least the plan is that they come back after the bye. And that's when the 49ers make their, their big push. They're going to be as, as healthy as they've been in a while, presumably. Um, so uh, if they could sneak out a win here and go into the bye 5-5, five and five, uh, and then come out of it having held those guys in reserve, that, that, that you know, I, th- I think people would be excited in that scenario. There, people who had written off the 49ers would say, huh, I, I wonder whether they can't sneak out a few of these more wins. It's going to be daunting. Obviously, the, the, the cards are stacked against them in that scenario, but it would be possible at 5-5. Five and five. They wouldn't be that far off the leaderboard, and, and they w- would have beaten, you know, the best uh, team in the NFC, the Saints. If I remember correctly, the Saints didn't, you know, beginning of the season, last week they looked like a Super Bowl team, but early in the season, I don't know if the Saints really looked like the Saints teams that we had seen in the past. It looked like there was a some opening, some, some dent in the armor a little bit, uh, but they still have, you know, the Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees, and I think that's where it kind of starts and kind of ends there with him. You know, when we talk about having a fighting chance, I think Kyle Shanahan has to has to be able to call some better games, be creative, you know, use a Jarek McKinnon. Uh, we saw Richie James last week get really involved in the offense. Uh, and then Brandon Ayuk. This is a good defense you're playing against. But if you get creative with him, I think you can kind of put some points, because you're going to have to put some points on the board somehow. And you're going to have to be able to get after Drew Brees. I think this is a game that we'll really see Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw in the middle. I think that middle push is going to be big against a quarterback like this. Drew Brees, not so tall. I mean, get some push on him. Get your hands up. Have him get outside the pocket and make some plays outside the pocket and contain him. So, you know, I think all the way around, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be a tough task. But again, I think this, this Saints team can be beaten. I think early in the year you kind of saw, but Kyle Shannon has to have a great game calling a game. And that defense, especially in the middle, has to be some middle push to get after Drew Brees. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, it was just really interesting to see the Saints completely dismantle Tampa Bay. And you know, all the advanced metrics had Tampa Bay as the clear, very balanced number one team in the NFL until the Saints just absolutely ran through them last Sunday night. And, you know, the, the Saints, they have a great play caller in Sean Payton. We often see Kyle Shanahan and Sean Payton copy each other. In fact, the 49ers had a great play last year where Raheem Mostert, uh, I think it was Mostert who got the ball off of a pitch from Kyle Juszczyk. Can't be sure on the running back, but I know that Juszczyk got it first and he pitched back and just got destroyed, but it ended up being a big gain for the 49ers. Well, that was a play that Kyle Shanahan had borrowed from Sean Payton, and Sean Payton's a guy who's really creative with the offense where he's running two quarterbacks. Taysom Hill will line up as a receiver with one play, then he'll throw for a first down on a third down on another play. So you have to be ready for absolutely everything. And I thought a key last year was that even though the 49ers' defense struggled throughout the course of that game, They made some big plays when it really mattered, and those big plays usually came courtesy of Nick Bosa. Remember, he took down Taysom Hill in the backfield on on that one conversion, just with one arm, dive in there. Tremendously athletic play from a big defensive end. I mean, Bosa was the one 49ers defender last year. Remember, they were missing D Ford in that game that had both the athleticism and and I thought the smarts to go head-to-head with Sean Payton. Right. I mean, Nick Bosa just seems to sniff out big plays and trick plays and, you know, gadget plays when they're coming. And and he just always seems to be in the right position. So I think the 49ers are going to really miss him because when you talk about football IQ and, you know, just the combination with that that supernatural ability, boy, has missing him been a hugely impactful thing for the 49ers. And they're going to have to be ready for the kitchen sink because I really do think that Sean Payton, an Eastern Illinois alumnus, just like Jimmy Garoppolo and Mike Shanahan and, and Tony Romo, I, I think that uh, Sean Payton's really going to throw it all at them this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, if there was any lesson from last year's game, it's that these types of games are really important. I mean, the 49ers, the Pack, and the Saints all finished with the same record last year, 13-3, and but because the 49ers uh, won the, the regular season matchups, they had the number one seed, and New Orleans had to play in the first round, and they lost to the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm sure that lesson is going to be uh, talked about by Sean Payton this week. And um, yeah, I agree with you uh, about Nick Bosa. He had a fantastic game. They had just come off that loss to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and 
Jackson had just gobbled them up with, with the run. They didn't play the, the read option very well. And so that was fresh in the 49ers' mind when Taysom Hill was under center. They kind of knew what to expect and had been prepared for that. And um, just kind of underscores where they are at that critical position. They, uh, according to NFL Network, they put in a waiver claim on Wednesday for Tack McKinley. He's the the edge rusher from the Falcons that the Falcons lost patience with. And the 49ers, I think, have the 15th waiver claim, and uh, the the Bengals outranked them. They had the number eight waiver claim. So uh, McKinley ended up going to uh, Cincinnati, but it just underscores how desperate the 49ers are. And I think it also underscores that the 49ers still think that they're in this, that the, the fact that they would make a claim for attack McKinley, um, it doesn't, isn't all that costly, but still, uh, I think he was, uh, David, 875000 that they would have uh, needed to, to pay him or uh, against the, the salary cap this year, and they're pressed up against the salary cap. So it just kind of shows you where they are at the position, I thought. And Dennis, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Jordan Willis, he's the guy that they traded for. From the Jets, he's only played a handful of snaps, but he, he had the lone sack against the Packers. I thought he's shown a little something. Uh, obviously, he's not Nick Bosa, but uh, they've been getting some quality snaps and quality effort out of him. Obviously, they, they need a little bit more defensive end. He gets the one sack, and you know now I think he's probably, what, second on the team in sacks, you know, even with that one sack or third on the team. So, I mean, any, any type of edge pressure is what this team needs and we're talking about Nick Bosa and the reason why Nick Bosa plays so well is because he has good he has great hands and eyes and he sees his read so if it's a down block his next read goes to the running back quarterback and a lot of guys defensive ends have a hard time doing that a lot of a lot of guys you know if if your end goes down or your tackle goes down you immediately want to crash down because you think the play is going to be run in the outside a good or a great defensive lineman, you go to your next read, which is your back or your quarterback. And I think you talk about some of the plays he made last year against the Saints and all throughout the year is because he has great eyes and he reads the plays. He understands how to play that position. As far as the pass rush goes, he works on the edge. And I think this Willis kid is, is the same way. He works really well on the edges. He's able not to run down the middle of guys, but use the edge. With a lot of hand movement, hand placement, quick hands, hands over, hands under, and power moves. And that's what Nick Bosa brought to the game, and that's what's definitely missing. So I'm going to look at uh, Jordan Willis a little more this week and see if he gets some more snaps. I'm more interested in seeing with, you know, Deion Jordan. Is he going to get better? Is he a guy that's going to be in there? You know, he's in the huddle and nickel down to see if he can get some edge rushing. But this team misses that, and it makes the back end so much easier, even though your cornerbacks are playing really well. But that pass rush, we see you miss the pass rush, you miss a lot. And, you know, I, I was just watching that game against the Bucks and Hill. I, I don't know how you game plan against him. I mean, this is a big, strong kid, and he's a huge part of this offense. So when you think about Drew Brees and shutting down Drew Brees and containing Drew Brees, you got to put Hill in there because he's inside – receiving he's outside on the perimeter he's a running back he's a quarterback so that's something else that makes it really difficult to game plan against this team because you have a wildcat uh type of quarterback in Hill, and you have drew Brees who can sit back there and pick you apart 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The 49ers in their shorthanded state, they're obviously going to be tested at, at all junctures of this. Drew Brees, a veteran, all-time touchdown pass leader. I mean, th- this is a guy who doesn't throw long. I mean, that average air yards distance that everybody seems so obsessed with today. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo typically has a low average there. Well, Drew Brees is just as low as him. He'll pick you apart with the short game. He'll find that weakness and the 49ers are going to have to be ready for it. So I think that potentially returning Richard Sherman, it might not be likely. The 49ers are saying that it's more likely against the Rams after the bye, but Richard Sherman is saying that he's going to work as hard as he can to return this week. I think that's huge because he's a guy that could recognize tendencies, play that chess match against Drew Brees. Uh, Obviously, having Fred Warner healthy, which he currently is, that's really big for the 49ers because Fred's playing at an all-pro level this year, and he's a guy that plays that back-and-forth tactical game very well against opposing quarterbacks. And at the end of the day, the 49ers are significantly shorthanded. We spent five minutes talking about Nick Bosa, but he's not even going to play. Another guy who I think is a very cerebral communicator for the 49ers in the back end, Jaquaski Tart, he won't play. He's heading to IR. Matt, it always just seems to come back and end up pointing to the offense. The offense is going to need to shield the defense. Last season, the defense did not get it done, and the offense bailed them out against the New Orleans Saints. And I just think that no matter what happens this year, the chances of the defense setting this up enough for victory on their own are slim to none. It's going to be up to Nick Mullins to play a whole lot better behind a better offensive line, hopefully for the 49ers' sake, than against the Packers, and to play well enough to really carry the load. Jimmy Garoppolo did it in New Orleans last season, and now it's Nick Mullins' turn in less than ideal circumstances. Yeah, who did Garoppolo throw to last year? He threw to George Kittle, obviously, in that uh, miraculous play that... That, that kid'll look like a rhino going down the field. And uh, he threw to Emmanuel Sanders. So who's in now? You got Jordan Reed at tight end, and you've got Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver. Those two guys need to step up. I feel like if the 49ers are truly going to make a run, if they're truly going to stay afloat in this NFC race, Jordan Reed has to to step up. I agree with Dennis on that. Nick Mullins is a guy that likes to throw to the tight end. He threw to Kittle a lot in 2018 when Mullins was the full-time starter. No Kittle this year, so Reed would be the, the guy, and Reed has the talent to do it. Reed just can't stay healthy for any extent of time, so that's going to be a big test. I think that Reed is going to get a lot of playing time. I think he got 13 snaps against the Packers, so they were easing him back in. I see him getting maybe not uh, Kittle's share. Kittle typically plays 99% of the plays. Maybe Reed plays 75%, but he's going to be a big target for Nick Mullins. And Ayuk is is the other guy. I mean, he, he's a guy, oh, I forget what uh, Richie James' total was, 182, 184 yards against the Packers. All those, all those uh, throws were supposed to go to Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk is, is, is the better athlete, is the bigger guy. You wonder what he would have done with that game plan, whether he would have gone over the 200 mark. Um, and as Dennis pointed out, this, this Saints defense, they look great against the Buccaneers the other night, but they haven't been consistent this season. 
So Ayuk has the potential to go off. So if it does get into a shootout, if it does get into another toe-to-toe, those are the two guys I think that uh, have to be the uh, guys delivering the big plays for the 49ers, and they're they're capable of it. And it all comes down to the quarterback. This has got to be a good, efficient, effective football game for Nick Mullins. He's got to make outstanding decisions, and all his decisions – have to come up in positive yards. You, you can't throw any picks. You're going to have Trent Williams. You won't have your blind side wide open like last week. But you have to play your best. And Kyle Shanahan, like I said, you got to get creative. You got to build some confidence for this kid. Now you've got your smoke screens, whatever they call it, or your tunnels. I mean, you have to get the ball out of Nick's hands, but you got to get positive yards. And you got to have some type of run game. Kyle Shanahan, get Jarek McKinnon, get creative, get him on some one on one matchups, get him the ball. You got to get positive yards on the first two downs. You can't get in third down and let these guys sit back, pin their ears back, and just blitz you. You got to be able to get the ball positive yards on first down, second down. And Jordan Reed. We saw what he can do. Was it the Giants or the Jets game where he just kind of went off before he got hurt? It's got to be one of those games for for Jordan Reed. He's just got to become that that Pro Bowl tight end that we saw in Washington. Yep, he was awesome against the Jets, and then he got hurt against the Giants. That was all on that turf. And MetLife Stadium in New York, weeks two and three, Garoppolo threw some nice pinpoint passes to him. Mullins... Not the same exact style as Garoppolo. He throws a bit further down the field, probably not as accurate on you know those short bullets, but uh, he's going to have to be because that's where Jordan Reed makes his money. He's not a guy that gets a ton of separation, but he does have great body control, has good hands, and because of that body control and his size, he's going to shield off defenders in short quarters. So if the quarterback can put the ball right on the money, Jordan Reed's probably going to catch it, and he also has a chance to break some tackles. So the QB can really set up a guy like Jordan Reed, and then the offensive line can set up a QB. Uh, That just didn't happen against the Packers. The 49ers had a good interior protection. That showed up a couple times when Richie James made big catches down the field. But Justin School just got beaten too many times at left tackle. And it disrupted one of the most important drives of the game when Nick Mullins just got crushed a a couple times. And the second time it turned into an interception. Then there was no chance to keep up with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So Trent Williams back in there. It's going to be important to protect Mullins. It's going to be important that he puts the ball on the money moving downfield. And that leads me to Richie James. Guys, Richie James was awesome against the Packers. It was one of the few bright spots for the 49ers. And when you look at this offense, I know that Richie James was thrust into that number one role. But the 49ers have not gotten consistent production from their number three role this season just because there's been so much shuffling in that receiving core. But say they get Debo Samuel back. Say that Brandon Ayuk is indeed back and as he's expected to be against the Saints. They're your one-two guys. We know that Kendrick Bourne's status is still, you know, in semi-question right now because of the whole COVID issue. Uh, but we also know that Trent Taylor hasn't been effective this year. Guys, Richie James, over 180 receiving yards against the Packers. Can't that be your your explosive number three? I think if he can show up in a similar way as your number three with Ayuk and Samuel both there, and then even if if Bourne and and Taylor are making some catches, I think Richie James can be a game changer if he can port that effectiveness into the number three role against the Saints. Yeah, he either comes in as the the substitute for one of those two guys, uh, 
when when Debo Samuel and Ayuk uh, come out of the game, or he's your your F. I mean, that's where the 49ers have really had their issues. Um, they drafted uh, Hurd, Jalen Hurd, to be the their big F. He's out for the season. Trent Taylor, um, he uh, hasn't delivered this season like we thought he would. He's he's also hurt now. He was dealing with a, a back injury on Wednesday, uh, so he's a question mark for this game. Um, uh, Kendrick Bourne has been playing out of the F more than anybody else. He's still on the COVID list, although he, he could be back for the Saints game. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they, they could use somebody dynamic there. R- R- Richie James has gotten a shot at that in the past, and, and he didn't seize his opportunity when he got it. He certainly seized it uh, the other night on, on Thursday against the Packers. And, and um, you know, that's that's something that can... You know, you talk about momentum and what can kind of slingshot this team, you know, possibly into a, a playoff spot. He's he's one of those uh, those those factors that can do that. And David, you mentioned Richard Sherman coming back. I don't know if he comes back this week or uh, against the Rams in Week 12, but uh, when he comes back, I, I bet that he's the the field cornerback from that point on, and that they shift. Jason Verrett over to the boundary co- cornerback. Um, Verrett's a very physical guy, knows how to play press coverage. That that ought to help the 49ers out quite a bit. Uh, it, it means that they don't have to shade the safety over to the boundary side quite as much as they've had to to protect Emmanuel Mosley. Um, it should give them a little bit more leeway. Now, that'll be counterbalanced, of course, by the fact that Joukowsky Tart isn't going to be in the in the lineup probably for the rest of the season or at least the the next uh, three or four weeks. But um, you know that that should be another boost for this team. Maybe it allows Robert Sala Dennis to be a bit more creative on defense. Yeah, you know I, we always talk about you know you have a limited amount of bullets on the defense as far as blitzes. This defensive front, you know, I'm focusing on defensive front. They just, you, you just got to get better up front. And, you know, you, you have to be able to pressure quarterbacks. I just don't see on passing downs that this defense is getting effective pressure. I'm not looking for sacks. I'm just looking for pressure, getting quarterbacks off their mark. Uh, and then have an opportunity like against last week against Green Bay when, when uh, Aaron Rodgers takes off, that's when someone has to close and make a tackle. Instead, you know, run for first down or, or what Russell Wilson did or, or Kyler Murray did. I mean, this defensive line, you have to be able, either you get to the mark, you pressure, or you sack. You get a quarterback off his mark, make him make a bad, bad throw. I think this, this secondary is already stressed out and it's getting no help from the front. And the front's got to get off blocks. If you watch last week's game, interior on the run and the pass, they just could not get off blocks. And if you're rushing the passer and you have no separation, you have nothing. And I, like I said at the beginning of the show, Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw, these are the guys that have to have great games. That pressure in the middle, those early downs, because the Saints love to throw early. You have to get pressure in his face and understand that you are six seven, six eight, and with those long arms, even if you're not getting a sack, you got to get your hands up and get Drew Brees trying to get outside the pocket, or he's going to eat you up on early down. Well, guys, I think in many ways this game is going to determine if the 49ers continue along that 2018 trajectory in which they obviously had some really critical injuries, including the Jimmy Garoppolo early in the season, and then just you know 
that completely circled down the drain after, or if they're somehow able to, to prop this season up, keep it afloat, and hope for that miracle of a Jimmy Garoppolo return, a George Kittle return, uh, return from some defenders and running backs later on, and potentially make a playoff run. I mean, th- this seems like it's that kind of hinge point. It's either going to be five and five or four and six heading into the bye. Along those lines, you know, the, the Saints, you know, they're hot right now. They're, they're playing some of the best football, maybe the best football in the NFL. The 49ers are still staggering. It's not going to be quite as dire health-wise as it was against the Packers, but it's it's still going to be bad. It's still a road game, even if it won't be as loud in the Super Bowl, in the Superdome. So I just can't pick the 49ers to win. I said 30-17 to 17 Packers last week. I think something similar is going to happen this week. Maybe a little bit better for the 49ers, so why don't we say 31-20? to 20, The Saints are going to get them. But um, unless the 49ers get a couple turnovers, a couple lucky breaks that turn into you know some ball-hogging opportunities, I think they lose this game by two possessions. What do you think, Matt? I love it when um, one team is um, coming off an emotional win, especially a blowout win like, uh, like the Saints had over the Buccaneers. And uh, you know, it, it, it might lead to a little relaxation on their part. I think it's only human nature that you do that. And then the other team is coming off a, a, a loss. That, 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 to me, usually means for a closer game. Um, but I just can't see the 49ers doing this. It's what Dennis said. It's about pressure. Um, and if you can't get pressure on Drew Brees, and the 49ers have not been able to get consistent pressure all year, He's just going to pick the, the 49ers defense apart. I mean, there, there's no two ways about it. Uh, he's too good. He's got too many weapons. Emmanuel Sanders is just a savvy route runner. Even the best cornerbacks uh, aren't going to be able to keep up with him if uh, if Breeze has time in the pocket. So um, I agree with you. I, I, I see it as uh, 30 to 20, let's say, uh, Saints win. You know, I, I love my 49ers. But when you when you look at this defense, and, and it's a bad matchup against Drew Brees in this offense. We didn't even talk about what Drew Brees has as far as his running game goes. Fantastic running game, two great running backs. So, you know, and then his weapons on the perimeter. I, I just I just see this this 49ers defense being stressed the whole night. I think it ends up being the same game it, it was against Green Bay. I see this this game being close to being over by the fourth quarter. I see the Saints scoring at least 35 points. Uh, I don't think Nick Mullins is the quarterback that you can go into New Orleans with a crowd, without the crowd, uh, and have a big game and get a get into a shootout and win against this team. So I'm gonna say 31-14, maybe some garbage points at the end. But I think this is going to be a tough game for the 49ers. There you have it. I think that we are all correct picking the 49ers to lose last time against Green Bay, and we'll see if they can prove us wrong this time. That would certainly reverse a lot of opinions about this season. But right now, the train is still bearing down on them. This is still a position where the 49ers are going to have to overcome odds to uh, to get out of the way and, and, and figure out a way to scramble toward the finish line successfully. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Here's the Catch podcast.